Well, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Part three of a series called New Beginnings. And so if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 16 and, and, and let me bring you up to speed if maybe you haven't be, been here. We believe as a church that this series has become kind of like a, a, a vision statement towards who we are and where we're going and what we've been doing. But further, what we want to kind of solidify in our hearts and minds, and it's this, is that we believe that Jesus is all about new beginnings. When I look at the life of Jesus and his interactions with people, what I find is this, him trying to help and to heal and restore and lift up and bring life change to people. Last week, we looked at a gentleman that was incredibly successful and affluent, had pretty much everything he could have ever won in the life, but he realized something probably wasn't right, and he came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you need to be born again, which for him was huge. Because of who he was in life, he recognized he needed a new position in life, and it was that of a position of mercy rather than just getting the hammer of justice all the time. For another guy, he, 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 inter, uh, he inter, uh, encounters a guy that's been born blind and been blind his whole life. He says, I want to give you new sight. He finds a woman who had literally been married five different times and was shacked up with a new guy. And she was constantly moving around from relationship to relationship to validate her. And he said, you know what you need? You need living water. Something that when you get it, it'll satisfy you for the rest of your life. And we see him constantly moving from people to people to teach, to help, to help people connect to God so that they can have a new beginning. As a matter of fact, when you look at Jesus and you find out who is it that he gets mad at or upset with? See, if you grew up in a church that was very guilt-based, you think Jesus was mad at you and Jesus is always... Do you know who Jesus got mad at in the Bible? Jesus got mad at arrogant, self-righteous people who thought they were better than everybody else and made it hard for them to get to God. It drove him crazy. These are the people that he rebuked, people that made it difficult to come into the kingdom of God. And so we, we, we've just come out of the booth and said, we believe that Jesus is all about new beginnings. We also, just by looking at human nature, we, we just kind of recognize that, you know what we all really need in life? is a new beginning. For some of us, we look at our past and we think, wow. And some of us ask the question, do you think God could ever do something with me? You think God could ever forgive me or, or could he ever do something great in my life? Because we all need a new beginning. And some of you, you, you need these for a, a big, huge life change out the gate, for some of you, we, we just recognize we kind of need daily new beginnings. <laughs> That's why the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. We're constantly in need of God's grace and God's forgiveness. That's what you and I all need. And we recognize this, that as a church, you know what our job is? Is to connect the two. If Jesus is all about new beginnings, and what people really, really need in life is a new beginning, then the church should be the conduit to bring the two together. So that God can do great things in the earth. So that, as Jesus prayed, we can bring heaven to earth. His kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In today's story, we'll look at somebody new who, who really just gets kind of a, a break from their past and a new start on life. And God gives them something very, very specific. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew 16 and start in verse number 13. The Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... He said, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was a term out of Daniel chapter 7 that basically just meant he was the Messiah. That's what he called himself. So the, so the Bible says that the disciples reply and say, well, some people think you're John the Baptist, came back from the dead. Other people say you're like Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied and said, blessed are you, Simon, 
son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This story is fascinating on so many levels. If I can just do like a, a, a knowledge drop on you. It, it's, it's amazing what's going on here that we don't know because we're not from that area. We're not from that culture, that time period. Jesus was, was mainly operating out of an area called Galilee. And about 25 miles away from Galilee was this place called Caesarea Philippi. It was named after uh, King Herod the Great. We've probably heard that name from the Christmas story. It was one of his sons named Philip. Well, he was the ruler of the area, so he changed it. And how many know... When you dominate and win and rule, you just get to change the name of a place. He named it after himself. And this place was a place of incredible Greek idolatry and Greek paganism. They used to worship. This is where there was a high level of Greek fertility gods. As a matter of fact, the main one is what the town used to be named after, which was the Greek god named Pan. And what they believed was is that, is that basically when you sacrifice to Pan, that he would help you have children. They used to do all kinds of very, very wicked things that we don't even want to talk about in church right now. So... It was also at this place because they used to have this big, huge rock face. And inside of the rock, every time there was a carving out of the rock, they would stick an idol in there. And then at the base of this rock was a huge spring of water. And what they believed back then was, is that this was like the gate to the underworld. So when he says the gates of hell, he's saying the gates of Hades in Greek, which is basically just the underworld. See, they used to believe that the gods would go home for the winter. Which is what you would want to do too. You want to go vacation somewhere nicer apparently during the winter season. And then in the spring they would come back. So they would have these big giant paganistic festivals and do all this ungodly stuff to try to get the gods to come back so that they would bring back a spring fertility. Are are you following me so far? So it's in this incredible area of paganism. This isn't Galilee. This isn't where there's Jewish synagogues and good people uh, studying Torah and following after God. This is the crazy place. This is a place that most Jews wouldn't even travel to because it was so paganistic. But he takes his disciples there and he gives them this teaching moment. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Simon, who do you say that I am? And he finally says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus in return says, well, you are Peter. And on this rock, now this is where we get some, um, if if you grew up Catholic, you kind of have these ideas of the Pope and Peter's the original Pope. And it comes from this scripture here. And I think it's a big misinterpretation of what Jesus was saying. Because if you read what he really said was, is what he said is, is that you are Peter, Petra, and on this rock, Petros, I will build my church. So they thought it was one and the same, when in reality, the word Peter means stone, and the word Petros means big rock. So it wasn't saying the same thing, so it wasn't that Jesus was going to build his church on Peter. How many know that doesn't turn out well, because just a few chapters later, Jesus is being denied by Peter, and he's cussing at a 13-year-old little girl at a campfire. How many know that's probably not what Jesus had originally envisioned to build his church on. Potty mouth guy. Um, But here's what's taking place, is that that Jesus is solidifying something new, that he is gonna start a movement. And so he goes, on this rock, which he would have been in front of a big rock, he goes, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the most wicked thing that you can think about, it will not advance. You will be able to overcome it and influence it. Meaning I don't want you to go into the hills and hide and be scared and run away from everybody. I want you to invade places with the love of Christ. I want you to invade places with the truth of how great and good God is. I don't want you to cower. I want you to invade. 
And he goes, oh yeah, and by the way, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this was a misconception too. The, uh, my, my, my good Pentecostal friends, we, we get excited about binding and loosing sometimes. Because everything is a demon, and everything is a spirit. There's a spirit of bad hair on you. We're going to cast that out. And there's a spirit of, of meanness on you. We'll just name it after spirit. And then we bind you. And then we lose something in return. I don't, I don't know how that works exactly. But that was a misinterpretation. To bind something for them was a Hebrew idiom mean, I'm going to allow you to make decisions on your own. Because I'm not going to be here to hold your hand through everything. So I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom so that whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. Does that make sense now? That's what binding and loosing actually meant. It was what the disciples had the authority. That's why they were given the keys of the kingdom to forbid certain things in the future that Jesus didn't have time to address or to allow certain things. This is the big picture of what we're talking about here. Is Jesus starting a movement, but look how he starts this movement. He does it with a life change. We probably didn't even notice it. See, Peter's name was not always Peter. It was Simon. Simon, son of Jonah. And that's how you got named back then. You didn't have last names. You were just you, the son of your dad. And that's how you got named in life. And his name was Simon, which means reed. Now, how many know a reed is not real firm, not real stable? It's like a reed shaking in the wind. How many know Peter kind of exhibited that life? Many times he was up, down, all around, in the middle, in between. He was leaning hard one way, and then he'd be leaning. He'd be like, Jesus, I want to get out of the boat and walk to you. And then he's sinking moments later. Just any way I can go. He goes, Simon, I'm going to change your name. Your name's not Simon anymore. It's not, not Reed anymore, but I'm gonna change your name to the name Peter because Peter's like a rock. And you're not there yet, but we're gonna get you there. Because like I said, just moments later, I mean, he's not hanging on anymore. He's, he's flip-flopping still in the moments later than this. And so Jesus is calling a name not based on what he already was, but based on what Jesus knew he would become. And here's the, here's the big thing I wanna walk away from you is this, is that sometimes in the Bible, God changes your name. He changes your identity. He changes the way you think about yourself, the way you call yourself, the way that you look about yourself, the way you feel about yourself. God changes all that. Because when he changes your name, he changes your identity. See, in Bible times, that was just, they saw names differently. Now, like, I don't know about you, did you study your kids' names when you named them? Did anybody look up and find the meaning behind? Yeah, because we did this. My wife had a name picked out, and she loved this name. And then we looked it up, and then we found out it meant temptress. I don't want my little daughter to be named Temptress. Was it Lorelei or something? I don't remember what name it was. We had a few names that we went through. But, you know, you find these names in life. How many of you ever look up what your name means? Yeah, you look up what your name I am Mighty Warrior. I know, it's so fitting, isn't it? So we, in our modern day, we look up our names because you don't want to name your kids something weird. And so we made sure we, you know, we, we, each of our kids, we kind of, but we don't really think about it that way though. See, in Bible times, they actually named their kids sometimes based on the mood they were in. Straight up. Like there was a, there was a woman who was depressed. She named her kid depressed. Like that's what the kid's name meant. And so, you, but you know, have this, like for instance, like in the, in the Bible, Sarah has a kid at 90-something years old. And when God tells her she's going to have a kid, she literally laughs at God, which is not smart. And 
because God always hears. So she was like listening to Abraham talk to God and she was in the tent and when she overhears God say, you're gonna have a baby, she laughs. Yeah, it's, it's anyway, God is always listening. You know what I mean? So then all of a sudden God's like, what'd you say, Sarah? Um, so when she has Isaac, she names him Laughter to remind herself that I laughed at the thought of God doing a miracle, but yet here is a miracle. There's this guy in the Bible named, named Jacob. He gets a name change. So, so Jacob, for example, if, if you know his story, he's, he's a twin. And when he's born, the Bible says that he's holding on to his brother's heel as they come out of the womb. So you know what they name him? Heel catcher. Yeah, and guess what he did the whole, his whole life? He was trying to chase people down, deceive people, trick people, get ahead. That was the idea that you were trying to grab somebody else and pull them behind you so that you could get ahead. Whatever you had to do to lie, manipulate, cheat, steal, whatever you had to do. And that's what Jacob was. And that's, and that's exactly what he did his entire life. See, when God wants to change your name, it's always connected to a life change. So eventually, Jacob has an encounter with God, and the Bible says that he wrestles with the angel of the Lord, and in this moment, God changes his name. He goes, your name is no longer Jacob. I'm gonna change you and give you a new name, which is the name Israel. Abraham was the same way. Abraham wasn't always Abraham. Abraham started out as Abram, which is funny because Abram means father. But Abram didn't have no kids, all of his life, he prayed for kids. God even at some point promised him a kid, and then he had to wait another 20-something years to get that kid. And the whole time, he's waiting and waiting and waiting and wanting and wanting and wanting. And you know what? Before God gives him the kid, he goes, you know what? I'm going to change your name just to mess with you. I know your name's Abram, and that's ironic enough. Now I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of nations. But I ain't got no kids. I know. Don't worry. I'm at work in you. Can you imagine G Jesus had to do the same thing to Peter? I'm no rock. I'm no stone. Do you see my track record? Do you know how flippy floppy I am? He goes, I know, I know. You're going to get there. You imagine Jacob? Jacob's like, no, no, I lie to people. That's what I do. I'm really good at it. I know. We're going to get you there. Because what's funny is, is that is that God doesn't change your name based on what you've already done. God changes your name based on what he knows you can become. And that's what God wants to do. And, you, and so you see these different people in the Bible, whether it's Peter, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Israel. The Apostle Paul's this way. The Apostle Paul wasn't always known as the Apostle Paul. His name used to be Saul, S-A-U-L. And guess what? He was kind of mean he would get after it. As a matter of fact, when the whole Christian movement started taking place, he was at the forefront of the anti-Jesus movement. He was there trying to capture them, throw them in prison. He was there basically condoning their murder and their death. This was not a nice guy. And Jesus knocks him off of his horse on the road to Damascus. What's funny is they don't tell you about the name change experience. You just know that after this, they change his name to Paul, which means little man or humbled. Because when God knocks you off of your horse, when you see God for who he really is, God gets much, much bigger and you get much, much smaller. And he changed his name. You see, Saul was a kingly name. It was the first king of Israel. It was a name of prestige. Now he's changed to Paul. And now we name our kids Paul. Because guess what happened? Paul redefined what it meant that it was okay to be small in the eyes of God. It was good to be humble in the eyes of God because God resists the proud and yet he exalts 
the humble. And so all throughout scripture, you see this idea of God giving people a new name because he wants to give you a new identity. And I get that because if you're anything like me and you have, how many have a past that you're maybe not, maybe not proud of? Yeah, you have a history. And many of us, we grow up and we have these identities. We have these labels. We have these things that are just kind of cemented into our heart and cemented in our mind. This is just who I am. You want to hear another name? She doesn't change her name completely, but her whole name in the Old Testament is known as Rahab the harlot. That's like my name plus my title. Like, if that's your name, that's how you roll. You know what I mean? Like, that's your reputation. You know what's fascinating? God redeems her life, brings her into the people of Israel. She ends up getting married to an Israelite man. They fully embrace her and fully adopt her. She becomes the grandmother of Boaz. And I don't know if you know what that means or not, but Boaz is the grandfather of Jesse, who is the father of David, who is the line of Messiah. So if you thought you couldn't get in, Rahab the harlot got in, I bet you got a good chance. Because God has a way of changing the identity, the thing that you are known for, and completely changing your future. And not just your future, you need to get this, the future of generations to come. How many, when you look at your family line, your family tree is the dysfunctional tree, full of squirrels and nuts and weird things. <laughs> You're like, that's my family tree. I want to encourage you, like, God can reorder your family tree. For generations to come, God can do it. God can reorder your identity and who you are. Because how many of you grew up, so I know so many people that grow up poor and underprivileged and broke. Let's just put broke. You grew up broke, and all you've ever known is broke. Mom was always in debt. Bill collectors were always calling us. We never had any money. Mom's favorite slogan was, we can't afford that. And all my life, all I've ever known, we broke. So you know what happens is, sometimes that gets cemented into our heart and into our mind. I'm just broke. Mom was broke. Daddy was broke. I'm broke. I'm always be broke. And you know what that is? That's your identity. And see, God wants to rearrange and say, no, 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 you, you don't have to be broke. You actually can be blessed. If you'll let me redefine who you are, you can be blessed. And you, you can actually prosper in life if you'll live and surrender to my will and to my wife. You can change your future. And not just your future, but for generations to come. I want to give you a new name. Like some of you are, you come from abusive backgrounds. And you know what you think? I'm broken. I just want to encourage you, like God's in the restoration business. That's just what he does. He takes broken things and puts them back together. So you, you might be broken, but you don't have to stay broken because God calls you not based on who you were, but based on what you have the potential to become in him. This is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. God's trying to redefine. He's trying to recorrect your family tree, your identity, who you are. And by doing so, he changes your name. Do you know that we all get a name change? Every one of us get a name change. You don't believe me? Listen to this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking to a bunch of churches, and there's a lot behind this, but here's the quick gist of it. He says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give him I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give to that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Do you know that we all gather around in heaven and God creates the earth and the new Jerusalem and all that, all, whatever happens. Somebody asked me like, what happens when you die? I'm like, we're not really sure, but we're down for it. That's what I think. 
I got a lot of ideas, and it's all good. But the Bible says that, that we who follow Jesus, we who are in Christ, we who stay faithful and are in Christ, we, when this thing is all said and done, get a white stone tablet, and you get a new name on it. That whatever it was that in this earth you were known by, that's wiped away, and you get a new name. This is fascinating, because the whole thing about the white stone tablet is historical to them. See, in Roman courts, when you were uh, uh, basically acquitted and found not guilty, you know what they gave you? A white stone. But when you were guilty and you were condemned and to die and to be thrown into prison, you know what you got? You got a black stone. So all of a sudden we're reading this now. And we're like, Ooh, this is good. I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm acquitted. I get the white stone. Do you know also, you got to remember, this is a, a, ancient Greek culture surrounds them. Do you know what they used to give to the winners in the ancient Olympic Greek games? You didn't get gold medals. You got a white stone with your name on it because you were victorious. You see it? You see what God's trying to do in you and trying to do through you that Jesus is all about your new beginning and he's trying to wipe away whatever, whatever tainted past you might have and give you a glorious and amazing and an abundant life of a new future. This is what God wants to do in you and I. And not only in you and I, but for generations to come in our family and not just for you and I in our generations, but for the people that surround us, the people you go to work with, the people that are your neighbors, the people you don't even like that much. God's trying to get them a new beginning in life. I had a conversation with my son, and um, my son is um, a wonderful young man, but he carries some of, of my bad habits. And, um, and, and I have lots of sympathy for him because I see him and I see me in him so many times. And so I have lots of grace for him because I think, well, I did that. I was just like that. So I'm patient with him. Teaching, training, discipline, but patient with him because I was a lot like him. And the other day, he does something really, really bad. And I wasn't really, really bad. He's never done anything really, really bad. But anyway, just being his typical, you know, disruptive self from time to time. And he does something he shouldn't have done. And he hangs his head afterwards. He said, you know what? I'm just bad. I said, no, you're not. He goes, well, I did a bad thing. I'm bad. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're a child of God. That's who you are. You're just a child of God who happened to do a bad thing. See, I have people that come to me all the time, and, and, and again, this whole idea of God giving you a new identity and a new name, it so alters everything you do from this point forward. It, alter, it alters the relationships that you have. It alters the decisions that you make. It alters, because, because it changes the way that you see yourself. I'm gonna help you out real quick. There's two types of people in this world. There are people that look at what they do, and then they say, well, that is who I am. Those people stay bound their entire life because as human beings, we are eventually going to do something dumb. Can I get an amen up in here? Am I the only one that, okay. Second type of people, these are free people. These are people who realize who they are in Christ. And then they allow that to change what they do. So which one are you? You ever labeled yourself? You ever thought, you ever had like a bad experience as a kid and all of a sudden the teacher said you were stupid so your whole life you're like, I'm stupid. I can't do that. I'm not good. I don't measure up here. You had, a, you had a person call you a name. You had a friend pick on you. You had a bad experience in life. You had a failed marriage. You had a failed business adventure. You had a, you, you had a, and all of a sudden, you allowed those things to label you and make you that new identity. I'm here to tell you that who you are will set you free. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. See, in Christ, you're redeemed. In Christ, you're forgiven. In Christ, you're an overcomer. In, in Christ, 
You can do that. You can do all things through Christ. In Christ, you have what it takes. In Christ, you have the character. In Christ, you've got it. So you got to figure out in life, am I just going to keep identifying myself by what I've done or what they said about me or by the mistake that I made? Or will I, what if I changed everything and said, you know what? First and foremost, I'm a child of God. And that's why I choose to live this way. Or that's why I don't do those things or why I do these certain things. And I'm going to live from the vantage point of who I am in Christ because that is the new identity that he has given me. I want to encourage you, this is where free people live. Free people know who they are. See, when you know who you are, you can walk out of this place and live as free as you want to be. Why? Because you know what God has said about you. Not what they said, not what you thought, not how you labeled yourself, but you know what he has said about you. And when you live from that vantage point, you live a free and whole life because God gives you a new name. All that being said, how am I doing on time? It's 11.02. I preached forever last week. I'm so sorry. I got caught up in my sermon and went way long. Here's what I want to do now. I want to go ahead and share with you what this day is all about and why this series is so important for us as a church. Because not only do we believe that, that Jesus is about new beginnings and that's what people really need, we believe that as a church, we need to connect the two, that we need to embody that message of that God is really wanting to help people experience a new beginnings. And so about six months ago, God put it on my heart to change the name of the church. That's the big announcement. I'm not pregnant and, <laughs> and I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Um, but you know, here's what's funny. I'm going to tell you the backstory behind the story. Um, if you don't know anything about this church, I'll give you a brief history. This church um, has been connected to a church in San Jose since it started. There's a church in San Jose called Jubilee Christian Center. And um, basically, someone from that church, it was the pastor's son, came out here years ago to start a satellite campus. And so while he was here, he built the church and things were going really good. Eventually, though, his dad asked him to come back so he could take over more things there. And eventually, dad was going to retire and all that good stuff. And so in, in the midst of all that process, I get placed out here by my own desire. Like, I want you to know, like, I came out here because I threw my hat in the ring. I, God spoke to me as a young man. I was a youth pastor there for about six or seven years. And when this church was in transition and, and, and the leadership and they didn't know what they were going to do and they didn't know the future of it all. I just felt this tug on my heart and I didn't want to force my way into this thing though because I know that's a bad idea. I, I let God open up doors. When I kick down doors, I fall into holes in the floor. So I just threw my hat in the ring and I kept mentioning to Pastor Dick like, what if? Hey, like, what do you think about her? What, what if I went out there? What and he kind of brushed me off the first time or two and I was like, okay, well, hey, I'm not kicking down no doors. And, and I think it was the second or third time I mentioned him this what if. He kind of had this kind of eyebrow raise. I can't do it, so I'll just. <clears throat> and, and what he, he was like, you know what? Let me think about that. And so he, he went and talked to his son, and, and, and they came back to me a, a, just a couple days later. And they're like, Todd, we think that's a great idea. And I'm like, well, duh, I told you this weeks ago. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> I respect my pastor. I would never say that. But. At that point in time, we, we make the move for me to come out here and take over the church. But when they, when, when they were sending me out here to take over the church, they wanted me to take this church from being a satellite campus to being its own independent, fully functioning church. They didn't want it to be a satellite campus anymore, and that was the agreement. And I wanted that too. And so I came out here, and, so in, and that was in, in 2008. And so it took us a little bit of time to do all the paperwork and all the goods and the deeds and all that stuff. And so in 2009, this church became a fully independent, self-sufficient, self-whatever church. Does that make sense? 
when I took over the church, they said to me, Pastor Adam and Pastor Dick were like, hey, are you going to change the name of the church? I said, no, why would I do that? And they're like, well, we just thought you'd want to. We, we thought it, it might be a cool thing, a cool opportunity, a cool transition. I said, no, I, I, I don't want to do that. And so I felt like it'd be the best thing just to leave everything alone. I thought, I'm going to change this church enough. They're going to be mad at me if I change everything. And so they're still mad at me. But anyway, um, so, so people would ask me for years since 2009, like, yeah, we're going to change the name of the church. I'm like, I don't know. You know, maybe one day. I think so one day. I just, I, I, I don't know. I'll wait until God tells me to. And so sure enough, about six months ago, God, God puts on my heart, a name. And, and, a lot, and people had mentioned names to me before too. You know, if you remember Pastor Aaron, Pastor Aaron was notorious for coming up with like names for everything. And, and he gave me like the goofiest, dumbest church names I've ever heard. Um, and I kept, no, Aaron, that's terrible. Don't, uh-uh. And, um, but people would ask me about this. And so sure enough, um, I, I get this name and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. And so here's what I do. I'm just giving you my little personal insider information. You get into my, my brain for a minute. So I start like saying it, like, hey, welcome to, this is a church, welcome to, you know, whatever. I start using it in phrases, using it in sentences. I get people like, hey, everybody, welcome to, you know. You know. I like this. I like, and I, if I ever sat on it and slept on it for more than one night and it, feels still, it still felt good, I thought, there must be something here. So I just, I just kept doing it. So then I start calling people. I start calling pastors and mentors and people. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And everybody's like, yeah, that's really good. Cool. So then I took it to our board. We have a board of, of, of accountability, just so you know, like, um, I'm not a dictator here. I don't run everything completely by myself here. I, I have a board that basically can jump into our world and look at the budget and determine salaries and all that stuff. And so, so anyway, I took it to the board. And I, you know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but like whenever you go talk to, to the board and you feel like you have to sell them on an idea, you feel like you got like a speech prepared. I'm like the prodigal son. You know, when he goes back home to his dad, he prepares a speech, what he's gonna tell his dad. That's what I felt like. I, I'm like, I'm gonna sell him on this. I literally couldn't get more than one sentence in. I'm like, we love it. That's a great idea. Let's do it. So anyway, um, so then, you know, we start just thinking about what it's going to take and what's it we're going to acquire. And you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. You got Secretary of State or a new website or new print material, all this stuff. And then um, we start rolling the ball. We say, let's go for it. And we chose November as a month that we were going to set up a series in which we would kind of launch and build this idea. And so the new name of the church is indeed New Beginnings Church. I called Pastor Dick, you know. I said, hey, Pastor, I, I have this thing I feel like led of the Lord to do, and I want your blessing, and I talked to him. And he's, the answer to most anything from Pastor Dick is, yeah, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you've ever talked to him, yeah, 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 sounds great. Oh, that sounds cool. You know, so anyway, he's, he's the most I'm down for it person I've ever met. He's down for anything, as long as it's not sinful. Um, but if it's not sinful and anything church or fun or reach people or help connect with people away from God, yeah, it sounds great. I was a youth pastor with him for years and I'd have all these kooky ideas for like stuff I want to do to reach teenagers. And every time I brought him my idea, I'm like, again, working up the speech. And every time, yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, they love it, do it. So um, we used to have a mechanical bull at our Christmas party. I don't know why. Um, anything weird to get kids uh, to meet Jesus, that was all we really cared about. And so um, anyway, so again, that, that's the story really behind this whole thing is that the Lord put it on my heart to change the name of the church. And here, here's what I want you to understand. We're not changing the name of the church because we're going to try to become something different. We're changing the name of the church because this is who we already are. Does that make sense? Like, we're not trying to be something. We already are. This is, this is what we feel like best embodies who we are as a church 
and as the spirit of this church trying to, because I, I, I talk with people all the time about their church or their experience or what they've been through. And I find whenever people come to this church, they find something uniquely different than they do at any other church. This is a grace-based church. We're not trying to beat people up. We're not trying to kill you. We don't think Jesus died so that you have some more rules. We believe Jesus died so that you can be forgiven and have life change. And we believe that by following Jesus, the rules will come together and it'll all make sense and it'll all get clear as you follow Jesus. But we're, we're a grace-based church. We're a life-giving church. We're a church, we believe, we believe people that have no connection to God in their history, they can come and find a new beginning. We, we believe that this is a place where, where people who have been disenfranchised by other churches, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are out there got turned off, turned away, burned, bad experience, thought you'd never come back to church again. You come in here, I don't know why. You just work, why? We believe in new beginnings. Or, or, for, the, or for the Christian who's been following, like, like me, I've been following Jesus since, I was, Jesus since I was 17 years old. I'm just trying to connect to Jesus at the next level. I'm just trying to get my new mercies day by day so that I can keep growing closer to Jesus. And that's what this is all about. If you will, check out this video um, this is uh, my good friend and one of our elders and board members, Vito Serpa, sharing a little bit about New Beginnings. Specifics will change. Maybe how you invite your friend to the church will change. Uh, the website changed. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can put it up there for me, but the, the, there, there's a brand new website. Uh, obviously, you can, you can still go to jtvchurch.org. I'll explain why in just a second, but that's still there. But we actually have a new website. It's called nbchurch.tv. Uh, the reason why it's .tv, my mom asked me that. My mom can barely turn a computer on. Um, she's like, what's .tv? And I said, well, well, mom, like .org, there's so many websites out there. Now .org and .com has all been taken. So then I got new ones like .cc and .me and .tv. And so that's why we're .tv. So if you're like my mom, now you know. It's, in, it's nbchurch.tv. So I would encourage you, when you get home today, log on nbchurch.tv. Hey, get back in here next week because we're actually gonna be giving away some like free t-shirts and free merchandise. We just wanna like help you get the name out there. Uh, we, we believe that this is not only good for us, we actually believe that this is great for our community. We believe that when we say this name, let me give you an example. I remember telling people the name of the church in times past and I usually get a huh look on their faces because, and I don't know if you've ever done that, like you're like, hey, you just come to my church, what's it called? Do you believe Tri-Valley Church, and you're like, what did you just say? What? I, I told it to, to, to a, a person we were buying something, and they saw the name on the account, and they're like, I, is, that a, is that like a preschool or a children's care group? I'm like, no, it's a church. So anyway, uh, we, we believe that Jubilee Tri-Valley Church was even harder maybe to communicate at times. It was, I don't know, it's like 20 syllables, I think, if you Jubilee, Tribe, Anyway, we, so, so we just felt like, number one, and, and, and most people don't even know what Jubilee is. I don't know. You have to be like a, a pretty good Bible student as a Christian to know what Jubilee means. Vito mentioned it in the video, but the year of Jubilee was a year that came around every 50 years to the Jewish people, and it was their year of freedom where their debts were wiped clean, and they got their land back if they had lost it, and they literally got a new beginning. We felt like this is the actual easier way to say Jubilee. Uh, <laughs> We didn't do that on purpose on the front end. We just realized that after the fact that this well, Jubilee is actually the year of new beginnings and we just are making it to where people can actually understand what that means now. And so, so anyway, get back in here next week. Next week, like I said, we'll be giving away some free merchandise, some stickers, some t-shirts. And, and anyway, we will continue with this series. I know there are some people that aren't here this week that will be here next week. So we'll be kind of mentioning and talking about it. And we'll be talking about it for weeks to come. And so we want to not only share this with you, but we want to equip you as well. Because again, we're trying to be the conduit of what Jesus wants and what people need. 
And so making sure that not only is this a name change for us internally, but this is a name change for the community at large so that we can help connect people to Christ. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap?